So I started, you don't remember, I'm sure, but six months ago, the last time that I spoke to you, I started going through James, and um, Mike has just been here, you know, he's just been here, he's been here, and he wouldn't let me say anything, so finally I said, you know what, I'm just going to go through James on Wednesday night, so I've been going through James on Wednesday night, but I still want to do this on Sunday, because a lot of you don't come on Wednesday night, and so that's what I'm going to do. So we are in uh, James, the first chapter, uh, 12 through 15 are the verses. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each of us is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Father, we thank you for your word, which lives on, which brings life. Father, we just pray that you would pour into us. Father, we pray that you would meet the needs of each and every person here, however unique they are. Bless us, bless them, and just speak through me today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, since it's been so long since we talked about James, I'm just going to say this because you probably don't remember. Um, on Wednesday night, I had gone through for about a year and a half Romans. We've been going through Romans. Romans is the most beautiful theological treatise ever written. It's, it's amazing. It's fabulous. James, on the other hand, James is where the rubber meets the road. Paul, Paul gives us all of the theological foundation that we need. James is telling us how to do it. This is how you live a Christian life. If you read through James, it's not very long. If you go home and read through James, he tells you how to live as a Christian. And so previously, James dealt with wisdom. He dealt with riches. He dealt with money. Um, he dealt with putting God first in your life. And so uh, earlier, earlier in the book, earlier in chapter 1, he alluded to, he talked about facing trials, and so now he comes back. He comes back to trials. How do you deal with facing trials? Within verses 2 through 4, he focused on ways that we could profit from trials. Nobody likes trials. I don't like trials. You don't like trials. Trials are not fun. Trials are... are, are um, they're like walking into school and you're, you're told to sit down because you have a pop quiz. That's what a trial is like. Trial kind of, you know, remember Charlie Brown? Charlie Brown said, my stomach hurts. You ever have that experience? It's like you got, you got a fist in your gut. That's what a trial is like. A trial is when you get the news that, um, that you have a very difficult disease. You're going to be very sick. A trial is like you get the news that somebody close to you has passed away. That that's, gives you the knot in your stomach, doesn't it? 
So nobody likes trials. What is up with God and trials? Why does God even allow us to have trials? Have you ever, have you ever been with somebody and uh, somebody close to them passed away? And of course, they're distraught, they're crying. They say, why? Why did God let this happen? We understand we're not immortal, right? We understand we are all going to die. But that's our response. Why did God let this happen? Well, we've got to die sometime, right? We understand that. But our, our, our reaction anyway still is, why did God allow this? God works through those situations like that. He, he, he makes us into what he wants us to be. He works things through us. He works things out of us. The word for temptation. Um, so, so he talks about, James talks about overcoming trials. Then he moves on to temptations. The word for temptations literally means to put to the test. To put it to the test. Um, synonyms of that are assay, examine, or try. Some of you who might have been into geology or something like that, you would know what that word assay means. Maybe some of you have never heard the word assay. Assay is when they take gold and they check the purity of it. They test how pure it is. So God is trying to work us into being gold, right? You understand that when, when, when they dig gold out of the ground, it's not, really, it's not always totally pure. It has impurities in it. And so one of the things they do is they heat it up, and it burns out the impurities. What's left is gold. That's what God is doing. That's what God is doing with us. The trials that we go through, the temptations that he allows to come into our lives, it is, it's all working to purify us. It's all working so that when we get to that point in, in, in life, when either, either the Lord returns, which a lot of us think might be pretty soon, um, or we leave this world and we meet God face to face. So when we meet him, when we meet God face to face, we are pure. That's the goal. That's what God is working towards. We, in our human response, we're like, God, I don't want, I don't want any trials. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I, I got enough. I'm, I'm doing fine here right now. And what, God's, what God looks down, when God looks down on us, what he sees is that I have some work to do in you. I still have some things that I need to work into your life. I still have some things that I need to work out of your life. And the way to do that is to, this is going to sound really bad, but the way to do that is to put you to the fire. Or maybe put the fire to you. Put the fire to me. Make your life difficult. But that works things in and it works things out. For myself, um, I get through the weekend. Monday morning, I prepare myself because I know that when I walk into work, I say, there's going to be something. There's going to be something. There's always something. And it's true for you too, isn't it? There's always something. And then you, you, you respond to that something, and sometimes I don't respond very well. 
Sometimes I'm like, wow, I, 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 need, to, I need to go ask forgiveness for that because that didn't go so well, you know? But by admitting it and by going to the Lord, by dealing with that, then the next time that comes around, because it's going to come around again, then I respond a little bit more like a Christian should. And that's, that's God's goal. God's goal is that when we meet him face to face, that we are going to be gold. We're going to be pure gold. And I know I've said this before, but you know we're never perfect. The goal is to be like Jesus. That's our goal. We won't, we won't get there in, in this life, but I, re- I truly believe that in that split second when we leave this body, between the time that we leave this body and we arrive in the presence of the Lord, God finishes the work. He finishes it. And when we get in the presence of the Lord, when we arrive in the presence of the Lord, we are exactly what He wants us to be. He does the work. He finishes it. So even though we'll never get there, we'll never get there as long as we're in this body, when we arrive in the presence of the Lord, we will be there. God, God does that. God arranges for that. You know, temptation can be good for, temptation can be for our good, or it can be for our bad, can't it? Temptation, if it's, if it's, a, if it's an evil temptation, um, it can be for our, for our harm, can't it? If we give in to some types of temptation, we give in to that, it's not good for us. Some kinds of temptation, some kinds of temptation may not be all that bad. You read about Jesus when he was tempted for 40 days in the wilderness. Jesus didn't give in to that temptation. He withstood the temptation. 40 days. 40 days. Can you imagine you know, when I go in the grocery store and I walk down that certain aisle there in the, in the grocery store, um, you know, I like chocolate. Chocolate's really good. I can pass up all kinds of sweet stuff, you know, because sweet stuff's not really good for me. But if it's chocolate, uh, you know, I, 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 I didn't eat any dessert in there. Didn't eat dessert for probably weeks. And then somebody brought chocolate chip cookies. And it was all over. Can you imagine 40 days? Can you imagine, you know, I mean, this is a simplistic example, but can you imagine walking down the grocery store past the chocolate, you know, the, the really good stuff? Because there's some stuff that's kind of not good. My wife taught me this. There's different grades of chocolate. Some of it's really good. Can you imagine 40 days? Every day you're walking past that and you're trying to resist temptation? Okay, this is nothing like what Jesus put up with. We don't really know what he was tempted by, but we know that Jesus was tempted just like we are, right? We know he faced the same kind of temptation that we did. So we know, of course, we know Jesus was a man. So men... Men, just don't say it, but think it. 
What is the worst thing that you could be tempted by? The worst. What is the one thing that if you were tempted, that you probably couldn't withstand it? That's probably the kind of thing that Jesus was tempted by. Satan's not going to mess around. If Satan's going to throw temptation at you, he's going to do it. He's going to really tempt you. He knows your weaknesses. I don't believe that Satan is omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He's not omnipresent. He's not at all omnipotent. But he has power. His minions have power, right? I, I don't think that Satan is always the one who's here tempting us. I don't think Satan's going to waste a whole lot of time on me. He's, he's over there messing with the election, right? But his minions are here. In fact, sometimes I'm pretty sure that he's tag teaming them on me. You know, there's probably more than one. They know my weaknesses. They know what they know what's difficult for me to withstand. And they set me up. That's what Satan was doing with Jesus. Satan knew Jesus' weaknesses. Satan knew that he was a man. Satan knew that Jesus was tempted by men things. You know, things that tempt a man, not going to tempt a woman. Two different creatures. We're different creatures. Sort of look the same. Thank, thank God it's not a whole lot the same. But a little bit the same. But they're different. We're different, right? Things that tempt us when we're 15 don't tempt us when we're 20. Things that tempt us when we're 20 don't tempt us when we're 40. Things change, right? Hopefully we're growing. Hopefully we're growing and not regressing. But things change. They're different. But Satan knows. He knows what it is. You know, for some people it might be power. Some people it might be riches. For some men it might be women. Can't imagine that. But pretty sure it's true. So these things, these things are things that tempted Jesus too. And Satan threw those things at Jesus. But he didn't fall. He didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't give in to the temptation. So let me, just, let me just suggest that this temptation was not necessarily bad. Why? Because Jesus was going through the fire. He was getting purified by that. He was already perfect. Yes, I understand that. But he was still experiencing life like we do. So when we're tempted by something, you know, if, here, here's the key, you got to keep your eyes on God, right? You got to keep your eyes on the Lord. Um, I was never very good. I was never very good at sports. You know, first of all, I'm not really built for sports, you know, so I was kind of handicapped a little bit there. And then second of all, back when I was in uh, grade school and middle school, I wore these pop bottle glasses because I was so nearsighted, it was like 21,000 vision. I literally had to put something by my nose in order to see it. So I was not very good at sports. But I do remember one thing. The, the one thing people would tell me all the time 
you know, like when I'm trying to play baseball or something, keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. That's where, that's where your bat's going to go, right? You keep your eye on the ball because that's how you'll catch it. Very simplistic example, but keep your eye on God because that's where you're going to go. Keep your eye on God. You're, you're going to move in that direction. What happens if your eye drifts off? You go in another direction. You get distracted. I'm not really a dog trainer, but I, I know a little bit about, about training a dog. That is that if the dog is watching you, if you've got the dog's eyes, they're not necessarily going to wander. If you've got the dog's eye, they're going to stay there. Very simple little example, but we've got to keep our eyes on God. We're not going to be temp- we're not going to fall to temptation. We are going to be tempted. We're not going to fall to temptation if our eyes are on God. We won't. What happens when we keep our eyes on God, when we keep our heart on God? God empowers us. Now, if we try to withstand a temptation on our own strength, it's all over. You know, it's like the chocolate chip cookies. They're down the hatch. But God empowers us. We can withstand temptation when we use, when we utilize, when we plug ourselves in to God's power. The most, think about the, the thing that would tempt you the most. I don't know, maybe, maybe some of you men are like me and, and it's like, well, let me make a list, you know. It's a whole bunch. Okay, make a list. You can withstand those things You can stand up to that temptation if you're plugged into God. Keep your eyes on God. It's one of the things that we do when we gather here on Sunday morning. We're getting reoriented, you know, through the week, your head's spinning and things are coming at you from every direction and and you're, you know, you're you're confused, you get disoriented, You, you come in on Sunday morning and it's a reorientation. It's like a reset, like you push the reset button. Get your eyes back on God. Did you fall to some temptations? You know what? Ask forgiveness for that. God forgives. God likes to forgive. But we got to recognize that first of all, got to recognize that we blew it. Ask forgiveness. God will give you forgiveness right then and there if it's sincere. If it's not sincere, then, you know, oh well. But if it's sincere... God will forgive you for that. Push the reset button. Get your eyes back on God and move out through the week. Keep yourself plugged in. Open the Word once in a while. Most of us have it on our phone. We carry it around with us, right? We don't have to carry this big old bulky Bible and think people are thinking that you're a a Bible-thumping fanatic. No, it's on your phone. It's very subtle. You can even stand in the line, you know, at the grocery store. You just plug yourself in a little bit to the Lord, and He will empower you to withstand that temptation. Then the temptation is not necessarily a bad thing. Why? Because He's working into you and He's working out of you things that need to come, things that need to go. And then you can, whoa, get this. You can be thankful for the temptation 
You're kidding me. I'm going to be thankful for a trial? Yeah, because you know God's working in your heart. You know God's doing something there. He's allowing those things. Have you, you know, and this is even scriptural. Um, um, it, says, it says that sometimes we despair when we look at the prosperity of the wicked. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought, you know, this guy is an absolute heathen and money is rolling out of his ears. He's got the cars, he's got the boats, he's got everything. And, you know, I'm bumping along in my one-eyed Toyota. What's up with this, God? This is so unfair. But you know what? If we look at it in that perspective, we can be thankful. Because we know that that heathen is nowhere near God, right? God's not doing anything in him because he hasn't opened himself up to the Lord. God's not allowing trials in his life. Everything's going smooth for him. It's not going smooth for you because God is working. God's working in your life. God's working things in. He's working things out. Stuff needs to come and stuff needs to go. And so then we can be thankful for the trials. Nobody put up with more trials, I don't think, than, than, uh, than Paul. Paul was steadfast on preaching the gospel. He was steadfast on moving from one geographical area to the other to share the gospel. And every place he went, every place he went, he was beat up. He was, he was beaten with a whip. He was, he, 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 he was shipwrecked. He was left for dead. I mean, at some point in time, wouldn't you think, gee, maybe, maybe this itinerant ministry thing is not so great after all. Wouldn't you think that he would say, man, I think I'll just make tents and stay put for a while. No, he never did. He never did. Even though he knew he was going to, that there was going to be an unwelcoming committee meet him in the next city, he was there. Everywhere he went. When he, when he got into Rome, he arrived in chains. He, he was put into a, a Roman prison. And I don't know, I I was going to say I don't think Paul really knew what he probably was doing when he wrote, because Paul wrote most of the New Testament. We wouldn't have those letters if he wasn't in jail. If he wasn't in prison, we probably wouldn't have them. We could be thankful for Paul's trials, right? Do you think Paul was thankful for those trials? I know he was because he wrote it down. He had the right perspective. A lot of this is about perspective. Let's see what God is doing in this situation. You know, if we just look at it from a personal point of view, we just, we just would want to lay down and give up. We just want to walk away from it. It's like, oh my goodness, it's just hopeless. No, if you look at it from God's perspective, and you know, it's a funny thing because when we get like a few years down the road, you can look back and you can see exactly what God was doing. You can see it. Can't necessarily see it at the moment, 
like right now, right now, if I had hair, I probably would pull my hair. But because I can't see what's, what God's doing. Five years from now, I'll look back on this time and I'll be, oh, light bulb comes on. So you can see what God's doing. But you, you can't always see it. It's where the faith comes in. We've got to have faith that God is actually working. That God is doing something. That God's not just working in general, but God is working in us. And we can see that. Down the road, we can see that. So temptations, how we respond to temptations. Let's um, recognize what temptation is not. God does not tempt us. It's not God tempting us. God's allowing the temptation. Um, Think about Job. Think about Job. Really poor guy, you know. Even his wife turned on him. She said, why don't you just lay down and just curse God and die? Just curse God and die was her advice. Wow, loving wife. I can't imagine what dinner was like that day, you know. So God's not tempting you, but God's allowing the temptation. Um, We need to recognize that, um, you know, well, Adam and Eve. So, you know, after Adam realized that, um, you know, that they'd eaten the fruit and that now they were reaping the reward for that, which was a new good difference between good and evil, and now they recognize that they're naked and they're like, now what do I do? There's no Walmart nearby. I, I have no idea how to sew. You know, I, I, I have no idea what to do. And, and God, God is walking in the garden. God knows what they've done. Very clear in God's mind what they've done. Oh, Adam. Adam, where are you, Adam? And Adam's hiding. Kind of like a little kid, you know, hiding. And then God says, Adam, what have you done? Adam knows what he's done. Adam knows that he disobeyed. Adam knows that he's responsible for that. What's the first thing he does? He blames God. Well, this woman you gave me gave me something to eat. So he not only blames God, he blames Eve. And then Eve says, well, it's the snake. It's the snake's fault. You know, there's one thing about um, there's one thing about temptation. There's one thing about giving in to the temptation. That is that we need to take responsibility for that. If we do, if we do take responsibility for that, then, then we can proceed to ask forgiveness, right? We can ask forgiveness for that. But if we're just going to blame somebody else, we're trying to say what we're saying is, I'm not the one who did it. They are. And so then, if that's true, then they're the one who needs to ask forgiveness. Because it's not my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. One of the first things we have to do in order to get our life straightened up is to recognize that we're responsible for our choices. 
we get to make a choice. We can either withstand the temptation with God's help, accept God's help, that we need, we need him to withstand the temptation, and we withstand it. So that would be like, you know, Adam and Eve see the fruit. It must have been glorious fruit. It must have been, it must have looked amazing. Because they had the whole garden to choose from. They didn't have to choose the one tree. It's not like they were hungry. But it must have looked amazing. So what is it in your life right now that looks amazing that you need to withstand from? There's probably something. You know, guys, you're probably looking at a new truck down on the, on the uh, dealer lot down there. Looks amazing. I saw one in a parking lot the other day, and, and I looked at that pickup. You know, those of us that are older, who grew up around here, um, if it only has four wheels, it's pickup. All right? If it has more than four wheels, then it's a truck. So it's pickup, big pickup. But this thing was amazing. This thing was incredible. This thing was like huge and beautiful red. And I was like, wow, I would love to have that. I would love to have that. That, that thing didn't really tempt me because it's completely out of my price range. So it wasn't really a temptation. But if it had been in my price range, that might have been a temptation. My wife would have no doubt let me know right away that I had sinned when I got home. If I brought that pickup home, it's no doubt in my mind. But, but keep in mind, we're not tempted by God. If you're tempted, if you're tempted, it's one of Satan's minions. Just keep that in your mind. You know, don't say, oh, okay, well, I read this story, okay. I'm completely off on a tangent now. But I read this story. A woman comes into the pastor and she wants him to give her his blessing to leave her husband and marry someone else's husband because God told me so. God told this is a God revealed this to me. God wants me to leave my husband and go marry somebody else's husband. So she's not only going to, to uh, commit one sin by leaving her husband, she's going to commit another one by breaking up another couple. Do you think God, do you think that was God doing that? Do you think God was revealing that to her? Somebody was revealing it to her, but it wasn't God. It's very, God will never go against his word. He'll never go against his word. If you don't find it in his word, it's not God. It's, it's a spirit probably, but it's not the Holy Spirit. So when you're tempted by something like that, it's very simple. It's not God. It's not God. It's a spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit. And if you've got your eyes fixed on God... That will be very clear.
there'll be no question in your mind. You'll see that, whatever it is, the temptation, and you'll say, man, those little minions, they got a lot of time on their hands, I guess. You know, they're moving around. They're moving around and they're, and they're, and they're after me. Here's the funny thing. Here, here's the funny thing about temptation is that when you resist it, it'll go away. Bible says if you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. If you resist the devil in Jesus' name, he will flee from you. Imagine that. You have power over those minions. You have power over Satan's minions. If you resist them, they will flee. The problem is, the problem is that too often we don't want to resist them. Too often we don't want to resist it. That's, that's where we got to have our eyes fixed firmly on God. We got to keep our eyes on the Lord. We got to keep our connection with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always with us. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit resides in you. And a lot of times, you know, when I was younger, that was talked about your conscience, you know, your conscience. Well, I want to suggest that, that that's not your conscience talking to you. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God's presence inside you. And God's presence is guiding you very quietly and very gently. And if you have an impulse, if you have an impulse to talk to somebody, and here's the funny thing about that. You know, people will talk to me in odd places that I am in town. I don't know them. I've never met them. I talk to them for like two minutes, and all of a sudden, they're telling me all of their problems. And my response to that is that that's not an accidental thing. God intended for me to be there so that I could listen to them and I could give them some godly advice. Maybe it's something as simple as, you know, you really need the Lord right now. Nobody can fix that for you. You know, nobody, nobody can go fix that. Or maybe it's to invite them. You know, we have, we have all kinds of things going on here. We have, we have always involved food. I, I don't know, but, you know, food's a good thing. So, um, but, you know, it makes it really easy to invite someone to something, doesn't it? You know, you say, why don't you come on Wednesday night? We have food. Get a free meal. You know, or like, you know, the Thanksgiving dinner that we're, that we're doing. And anyone is invited, anybody at all. We, we, don't, we don't check your temperature at the door. We don't make you wear a mask when you come in. We are, we are a very friendly, you know, very friendly, accepting group of people. And it makes it easy for people to invite them in, doesn't it? It's very easy. But God does the same thing with you. He puts you in a place. Puts you in a place where it's, it's a divine appointment. You're going to meet somebody. 
And they're desperate. They're lost. They need a word of encouragement. And that's you. Sometimes it's hard to tell, you know, it's, we're always in a rush, aren't we? We're always in a hurry. You're like, I don't have 10 minutes. I've, I've got to go. I've got to go. But that little prompting, the Holy Spirit says, wait a minute. Somebody needs a word of encouragement. Somebody needs a glimmer of hope. And that's you. If you just take 10 minutes, just take 10 minutes and invite them to a place where God's word is spoken and it gives people hope. Gives people great hope. I cannot see that clock back there. I have no idea what time it is. Do I need to wrap it up? Okay. All right. Well, I have 15 pages of notes, and I've gone through two. So what's for lunch? I don't know. Um, so I'm going to just, I, I'm going to try to, to um, wrap the, this up here. Um, oh, great. I actually went through a page without even looking. I'm going to just, just go here and say this. Um, you know, we're tempted by our own desires. We're tempted by, and, and in James, James uses the word lust. The word lust has taken on other connotations, right? If you think, think about what that word means, the word simply means desires. We're led away by our own desires. We're led away by things that appeal to us, appeal to our flesh. They appeal to our eyes. Maybe they appeal to our pride. And as I said, they change. They change as we get older. There's things that, um, you know, I mean, I don't dream of being a basketball star anymore, right? Maybe there was a time when I was like, I can do it. I can do it. If I just keep a positive mental attitude, I can do it. But now, you know, at this point in time, reality has set in. And so that's not something that bothers me anymore. So having an awareness of, of um, the desires that are in our heart. And, and I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray this week for all of you. And I would like for you to do the same. Ask God to reveal to you desires of your heart that you need to get rid of, that you need to dispose of. All desires are not bad. Every, everything's not bad, you know. If you desire a closer relationship with God, that's a really good thing. If you desire to, to be a help and be close to your brothers and sisters in Christ, that's a good thing. They're not all bad. This, this is where we go back to the, 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 uh, the firing of the gold. The firing of the gold. The gold is good, right? It's the stuff in there, the other stuff that needs to come out. So let's just pray this week. Let's ask God to reveal what it is that needs to be removed. What needs to be removed? And Lord, what do you want to put into my life? You know, our heart will be full of something. Our heart's going to be full of something. It's either going to be full of, of, of God, it's going to be full of the Holy Spirit, 
or it's going to be full of evil. It's going to be full of something. The Bible tells us uh, in one place that, that this uh, person had uh, demons cast out. And her heart was clean. There was nothing there. And then seven more demons came along and found this empty spot and filled it up. And her end was worse than her beginning. So we need to have our heart full of God. We need to have our heart full of good things. We don't want to have vacancy there. If God's filling our heart, then Satan can't. Satan can't do that. If you've been thinking, if you're not a Christian, if you're here and you're not a Christian, but you've been thinking about making that decision, I want to encourage you to do that right now. If you've been thinking that your life's a mess and you want to make a new start, God can handle that. He can handle that right now. It's time to stop thinking about it. It's time to do something about it. You know, your, your becoming Christian doesn't depend on you being good. God has to do the cleanup. God has to do the change. So if you're not a Christian and you feel like you're beyond what God can handle, I assure you he's got it. And he wants you just like you are. He's not going to leave you like you are. He's going to change you in an incredible, beautiful way. But don't think that you're too much of a mess for God. You know, having a life of faith, having a life of faith in the Lord is possible for all of us. A lot of us have a lot of work to do in that area. But God's up to the task. God can do that. And if you've been going through trials after trials after trials, I want you to take heart. Because it simply means God's working. Keep your eyes fixed on God. Keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. Keep your heart full of His Spirit. So pray with me right now. If you're not a Christian, or maybe if you want to um, reaffirm Reaffirm your commitment to the Lord. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Father, I submit my life. I submit my heart to you. Right now, Lord, forgive me for the things that I've done, for anything that's not pleasing to you. Lord, take control of my life and my heart and lead me forward into living a life that's pleasing, that's a blessing to you. Father, bless us. Bless us all indeed, Lord. Father, I thank you for the work that you're doing in all of our lives right now. I thank you for the opportunity to serve you and to bless your people. Father, we invite you to work in our life and to use us in your work on the earth. Lord God, Father, we submit to you. So if you prayed this for the first time, God bless you and welcome to God's family. Afterward, we have refreshments over in the fellowship hall. Please come over and fellowship with everybody. And I would like to pray for you um, right now. If you have a special need, I want to invite you to come down here and pray with me.